Hey, unsubscribe listeners, this is AJ. Just a, a quick introduction to this episode because it is a bit different than what you're probably used to. Less of the five questions format and more of the 12 questions format. This is actually an AMA that we recorded with Lindsay Fry. She's the president and one of the co-founders here at Demand Drive. Um, over the past few weeks, we sourced questions from SDRs, from SDR managers, from heads of sales development at, at a bunch of different organizations and, and had her, without seeing the questions beforehand, go through and answer them in a pretty casual conversation with Alex. So you're going to get a lot of off-the-cuff responses from her, really raw answers to these questions. So uh, this is a great learning experience for anybody who is involved in sales development. If you're an SDR, a ton of information in here to help you level up your skills. And if you're a manager or if you lead a team, a lot of information in here as well about how you can better forecast your metrics, about how you can lead your organization, uh, things of that nature. So kick back and enjoy. Uh, We are releasing this during BDR Appreciation Week as a way for us to give back a bit to the community and and help everybody involved in the sales development function learn something and and level up their skills. So kick back, enjoy. Uh, This is a great episode and we'll be back to our regular sort of format for, for unsubscribe in the next one. You're listening to Unsubscribe, a podcast where we explore all things sales development to give SDRs and managers alike the tools they need to succeed. Hey, and welcome to our AMA with Demand Drive co-founder, Lindsay Fry. I'm Alex Olson. I'll be asking Lindsay the questions that you've all submitted over the last couple of weeks. Uh, for context, Lindsay has not seen or heard any of these questions yet, so you're going to get authentic, off-the-cuff responses. Uh, I also want to point out that we're releasing this during BDR Appreciation Week in an effort to help everyone in sales development level up their skill set. Huge shout out to Sixth Sense for putting this all together and coming up with the idea that that really inspired us to do some things. So without further ado, Lindsay, uh, question number one, are you excited? Very much. Fantastic. All right. Let's dive into the question. (laughs) Um, A little nervous, but we'll, we'll, we'll jump in. We'll be okay. You know, yeah, if you yeah. if you stutter too much, we'll just. We went okay last time, so. Yeah, I believe. Okay, good. Cool. Um, so, question number one um, really is a more demand drive specific question. It's about how you sort of decide which SDRs you you give to which clients and that sort of process there. So, um, the question specifically is how do you place an employee on a project? Meaning to say, like, mm-hmm. what factors do you look for when matchmaking an SDR and finding the best for, fit for them with one of our clients? Yeah, that, that's a great question and definitely um, one that we spend a lot of time on, both myself and the client success team. And I think one, and it's changed over the last 10 or 11 years, right? So, you know, where um, we we have a much, much larger team now. So we have the luxury of, of you know, doing a little bit more um, behind the scenes work when when considering where to assign people and where to place people. So some of the factors that we look at, um, and now that we have sort of two, usually two new hire classes per month of SDRs that we're onboarding that are going through our boot camp and our certification program and that are then available to be assigned to a client program. So availability is certainly the one piece of it. Um, we do, you know, we do take some time with new employees, figuring out 
what they're interested in. So for example, I had a new hire training class with an SDR who mentioned they really they had a they had a background in both healthcare and sales and that they'd love to be aligned to a healthcare client. So when we get information like that, we do our very best to align um, an individual with a client that is selling a product or service in, in that um, industry that they have some, some interest in. Uh, we look at former projects that they've worked on. So if they um, if they have availability and they're available to be assigned to a program and they've been on a client in the you know big data space and we have another client that's in the big data space, um, Alex, this should resonate with you from back in the day, uh, then then that would that would be sort of an, an you know an easy decision. So those are the biggest ones, sort of interest, background, um, prior client experience, um, certainly availability. We'll even look at you know, what SDRs we think will pair well with the with a client success manager that's going to be owning the, the client relationship. Um, so those are the those are the biggest things that we that we evaluate. Cool. Yeah, that's that's really interesting. Now I'm thinking back to five, six years ago at this point when I got we didn't put on have my that first luxury project. when we were assigning you to a client, but well, it was I just remember I didn't totally understand what Demand Drive did. And I got an email that was like, you're going to be working for this company. And I was like, wait, that's not the name of the company that I just signed up. What? Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. no, it, it well, all. You should have been doing a little bit more research on Demand Dude. Drive. Before. <laughs> I, I know. I know. Research Demand Drive before you apply. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, awesome. Moving on to the next question. Definitely a much more broad sort of general sales development space question. Um, what trends did you see in 2021 that you think will impact sales development? for the foreseeable future? Trends that I saw, well, I mean, obviously what the biggest one over the last two years is just remote teams and, and just the, obviously the uptick in, in virtual work. Um, I think that even at Demand Drive, when, when COVID hit, we, before that, we didn't really ever consider having our SDRs be remote. I mean, we had everybody come in the office, um, and so I think that, you know, it was, it was an adjust, it was an adjustment period for sure. And I think that only, that only continued in 2021, but I think one of the things that happened was that people adapted to that, right. That people understood how to better manage remote teams, um, especially SDR teams that tend to be potentially early in their career that really need a lot of support and guidance and training, and how to do that effectively, what tools you can use. So I think that that's certainly going to have an impact on um, sales development in the future. Um, and I think too, you know, we've seen a lot of clients even show an in, more of an interest in looking at partners like Demand Drive, um, because in in the past they they may have wanted their SDR team to be working within their within their office within their four walls, and now that that's not so much of an obstacle anymore, um, it, it, it sort of makes it a little bit easier for them. So that's a big one. Um, tactically, I've seen, a, a, and I'm not really sure why, but an increase in connection rates over the phone, I think maybe because cell phone numbers are more available and people are more apt to pick those up. So that has kind of flip-flopped with email where there's, you know, obviously email fatigue a bit um, from the remote work, but for whatever reason, phone connection rates have, have gone up quite a bit across a lot of our programs in 2021. 
Yeah. Do you want more on that or how much, how much should I give? <laughs> no, no, I, I think that was good. So moving on to the next question. Um, this one's coming from uh, a fresh face to sales development. Uh, they say they're a new SDR. Okay. What can they do in their first month to really make an impact? So the guidance I give new SDRs um, is to you. I mean, you, this is a role you have to, that takes a ton of practice, right? And the best way to get comfortable doing it is just reaching out to as many prospects as you can. I think in the beginning, you have to make a lot of calls. You have to send a lot of emails. You have to research a lot of different companies. You have to kind of find your own personality and voice in this role. And, um, and I think once you get, once you improve and you sort of hone your skills, you can do more with less. You don't have to quite make so many calls and so many activities. And you're just better at converting the ones that you do get live. So I would say, you know, don't be afraid to just get the activity numbers up really high, as high as you can and practice as much as you can. Um, and I think, you know, ask people on your team who have been uh, leaders, you know, if you have a large team that you can um, talk to people that have been the leaders on the leaderboard for the last few months, ask them what's worked for them. Definitely pick other people's brains on this um, because while you'll have your own style and you'll find your own rhythm, it's important to kind of ask the, the, the top folks, you know, what they've done to be successful. Um, you know, listen in on call recordings, listen in on what's worked, what hasn't. Uh, I think that's what I'd be doing in the, in the first 30 days. Yeah. No, that's super useful advice. The other thing I, I just want to add to your first point there is yeah. the more activity you put in right when you start, the faster your pipeline will build that's up. Like, that's a great, oh yeah. And that, yep. And, and it's like, and then it just gets, it makes it a lot easier and you just get more comfortable, right? It's nerve wracking in the beginning. Um, so I think I, I usually see the reverse be true where new SDRs will actually be doing fewer activities because they're nervous. They think they need to be perfect. They need to kind of hone their messaging, um, but really just start practicing, start calling. Um, and, and, and like you said, Alex, it'll help build your pipeline for future months too. Yeah, absolutely. So the next question is actually very closely related, but more from a manager perspective. So this person reached out, they said their SDRs are afraid to pick up the phone. Um, outside of taking away their other tools, how can they get them to make more dials? And like, I guess, so it's a similar question, but maybe the motivation is not there. Maybe you're the manager and you really have to drive them yeah. to make more phone calls. How, how do you get that to happen? Well, I'd first try to find out, you know, what, you know, take a step back and figure out why they're afraid to pick up the phone is, are, are, should they be in this role? Are they the right profile of individual? I mean, this is, this is not for everybody. Um, but you do have to be okay with picking up the phone and reaching out to someone who has no idea who you are. They may not be familiar with your brand. Um, and that can definitely be nerve wracking. But if you, if you have a lot of members on your team that, that like adamantly refuse to do it or won't do it, um, I would just question like, is this the right profile of candidate that I'm, that I'm hiring? Um, I think that I love to sort of show like, use the numbers and data to, to make a point. So I'll, as a manager, what you could look at is see like, okay, how many dials does it take to get to a live connection and how many live connections does it take to get a handover 
you know, or book, book a demo or book an appointment. And then you can actually see, you can actually show them like, okay, like, and then you can, if you're, if you're compensating that rep by the number of handovers that are, that are passing in a given month, you can actually break it down to show how, how many dollars is each phone call worth, right? So for every time you pick up the phone, it's worth $3 because it takes X amount of um, calls to, to hit that, to hit that lead threshold. So breaking it down that way can help if you kind of help to them to visualize it. Um, and then obviously supporting them with the right tools and, and content and technology and training so that they feel empowered and confident in what they're saying. I mean, it might be that they're nervous because they don't feel confident in what they're talking about. Um, so potentially some additional training could help them. But I think step one, figure out why they're afraid to pick up the phone. Is it that this isn't the role for them? Do they not feel confident with what they are saying? Um, do they not feel authentic with how they're saying it? And then, you know, if and then helping them to visualize how much they can earn if, the, you know, for each activity that they're doing could be some good places to start. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. Having having that open communication between a manager and an SDR is yeah. like the most important thing to success. And it. it starts there with I'm really understanding the motivation. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Awesome. So moving to a, another direction here, but still a question from a, a, an SDR manager. Um, there's a lot of metrics out there. You, you know, the, the SDR role is very easily trackable. There's all maybe too much data on it, some might argue. Um, so what metrics should a manager be using to evaluate the success of their team, in your opinion? Yeah, absolutely. So the KPIs that we tend to look at, I think, are um, the biggest ones, certainly to take a step back, the way most sales development teams are measured is how much pipeline is generated that can be attributed back to the SDR function, right? So that's, you know, how much, how much is on forecast from, from the SDR team, but then what are those top of funnel activities that help the SDRs to get there? And all of those have to be measured. So the first one is, you know, a daily activity goal, you know, how many calls and emails, social touches, whatever those activities are that are part of the cadence what is your goal around that and having a really, you know, holding your team accountable to it. I think, you know, we can talk about this in a, you know, in, a, in another um, forum, but there's certainly a point of diminishing return with too many, you know, requiring too many activities and not enough research. And then the opposite can be true where you're over-researching things and you just don't have enough volume um, to convert. The next piece would be, you know, what percentage of those activities are converting into either a live conversation or someone responding in a meaningful way to an email. Um, so those are sort of your at-bats. Those are your opportunities to convert somebody uh, into a qualified handover. Uh, so that would be the next KPI. Then we'd be looking at how many of those connections are converting to a handover. Um, so how many handovers is the, uh, is the SDR uncovering um, per month? And what is the, and then really the most important piece is the quality of those handovers. Are they converting to pipeline? Are they converting to an actionable selling opportunity or are they just tire kickers, not truly qualified, you know, not, not showing up for the appointment. Uh, so that's why just measuring somebody on appointment set is, um, is just one small step, right? It's really what is the conversion of those appointments and what is the quality, what are the quality, what's the quality of them? Um, and then depending on what you're selling, you, you know, this is a little bit, this has 
the SDR has less of an impact on this in a way, but how much revenue is ultimately closed. And that's going to depend on how strong your sales team is, but also it speaks to the quality of the leads. So those are the biggest KPIs. Um, I know teams look at things like talk time, and I think that's that can be important. Um, certainly if you, you know, if you're going to dig in, but, um, but those are the, the ones that we look at. Yeah, absolutely. And this is a question off the top of my head, since yeah. it is an AMA, I can ask you anything. Um, yeah. Are there any metrics that you see clients or, or other people use a lot that you tend to stay away from, or you find can be misleading a lot of the time? I think the appointment set number is the biggest one. Like, well, we want to book 20 appointments a month. And then I, and then I say, okay, well, let's dig in there. How many of those appointments ha- actually happen? 70%, 60%. Like, okay, so really it's like 12 that are real appointments. And then of those, how many are converting to a neck, like a real next step or an opportunity? Um, so I think just looking at appointment set can be um, a little bit misleading. Mm-hmm. Um, what other ones, you know, I think looking to focusing too much on, you know, just overall, like how many calls, right? Like, I mean, again, you can have a rep that's making 150 calls with a power dialer or something and not really thinking about what they want to accomplish in each call, what they're looking to try to get out of it. Um, how are they mapping the account behind the scenes? So I think sort of sheer activity and appointment set can be a little bit misleading. Awesome. Yeah, that's super insightful. Moving on to the next question. Um, it's sort of to, to what you were talking about. I mean, people are looking at metrics, scalability, things like that. Um, what is your take on the sort of personalization at scale debate? Is it possible? Is there a point when you, you mentioned that point of diminishing returns? Where's your sort of stance on like, how far can you take personalization when you're really trying to scale? Yeah, so I think this is really getting to kind of that that balance between, you know, quality and quantity. You you know, you can't an SDR could spend 3 hours a day on one account and if you're only calling 3 companies in a day, you're never going to hit your goal. Um, right? But at the same time, if you're if you're having them make 150 calls a day, they're not there's no way they can actually think about what it is they're trying to accomplish and what they're they're and, and do any type of targeting. Um, so is the question around like, what is that balance or how, so how much personalization is too much? Uh, either that or it seems like it's more like, um, how, how much activity could an SDR do while still maintaining that authentic personalization that maybe got them to that point? I mean, it depends a little bit about, you know, um, the, the client they're calling on and, I would say on average, if they're doing somewhere between like, I don't know, six, 60 to 80, 60 to 70 activities per day with a combination of personalized emails and calls, that's probably, they'll, they'll probably be busy, but, you know, still able to, to do the right work on things. Um, and so that, what does that break down to maybe like 30 to 40 calls per day and then corresponding emails or social touches, things like that. Yeah, no, that makes sense. And yeah. it's, it's a far cry from back in the day, the hundred plus styles a day. Yeah. 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 And I mean, I think, listen, again, if, if there are certainly exceptions to, to every rule, um, I think if you are calling on behalf of a organization where it's a really transactional sell and it's a pretty static message and it's kind of the same message to the same person over and over, then you can definitely push 
you know, you then you may be able to do kind of that hundred calls a day. Um, if it's if it's very much like he, it's a standard email template and you don't need to do a lot of personalization because it really doesn't much matter. So you need to evaluate kind of what the market looks like, what the total addressable universe looks like. But that's that's a good kind of rule of thumb. Yeah, no, it makes sense. Moving to a, a question specific about inbound. I know outbound SDRs are, are sort of always going to be in needed because right that relationship building is is such an important piece of, of the sales process. Um, but somebody asked a question specifically about inbound SDRs and whether or not they're replaceable. There's a lot of technology out there that claims to or says they can do the same job essentially. And that technology is only going to grow from here on out. Do you think it's a resource worth having, or do you think a lot of it can be replaced by some of these technologies? For inbound SDR specifically, mm -hmm. you know what? I don't, because I think that you still, again, I think in certain situations, in certain products and certain markets, maybe, but I think, I still think it's so valuable to have that sort of human touch, somebody, a live, real person following up on a warm lead to truly see if it's qualified before handing it over to sales um, at where it's then on their plate. So I, I think that it, it's still like we can we can arm them with more with the tools to be able to respond to and qualify those leads at a faster clip, right? And we can do some pre-vetting and prioritization with all the great tools that we have. But I still think there there needs to be that human element. Um, and I don't see that going away anytime soon. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. I know, I know when I was an SDR and we'd get a demo request every now and then it would be someone just trying to download a demo of the software yeah. instead of like taking a meeting or something like that. So there's definitely a lot of qualifications yeah. that still has to happen, even if it's an inbound, even if they think they're qualified, they still might not be, right? Totally. And I think there's a customer success element to it as well, right? It, I mean, a lot of times as a, if I'm a, um, you know, a if I'm a prospect of a company, I might want to talk to a live person and first impressions mean a lot. So if your first impression is, okay, it's just a bot or a robot or some AI person interacting with me, um, they may end up going to a competitor where they do have a real person that they can talk to or that's engaging with them. So I think that's something to consider too. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. So the next question centers more around everyone's favorite topic of the last oof, two years. Uh, are we ever going back into the office? Um, oh, and is that and it? if not, if not, how can someone replicate that in-office culture and environment that they had before the pandemic? No, I miss it. Right. But, um, so, I mean, Alex, we've talked a lot about this, right? Just at, <laughs> at demand drive, but, um, so the question is, what, how do you, how do you recreate the in-office environment in a virtual setting? Is yeah, if we're assuming that you don't think we're going back into that real in-office environment that we used to have, I guess ever yeah. or at least for a while. So here's what I think, and here's what I've been seeing. I think there's, I think there's definitely some pandemic fatigue. Um, I think that there is also some Zoom fatigue, which has been happening. And what I have started to notice, which is, it's, which is encouraging, because historically, and, and you remember this, we used to have clients on site all the time, right? We, I mean, we obviously had all our SDRs in-house, but we'd have at least, I feel like twice a week, we'd have clients coming in or yeah. sales reps from our clients coming in to sit down with the team. And we were always hosting people. 
And so that has gone away, but we do have a new client coming on site next week for a kickoff, which is really exciting to me. So it's so nice to have to be hosting someone again. Um, and I have had requests to sort of meet more clients in person. Clients are starting to have their SDRs, you know, come in and attend trade shows. Um, so I'm seeing a little bit of an uptick in that. What do I think will happen? I think that we'll remain in kind of this hybrid world. I think people have adjusted and humans are adaptable. And I think they've gotten acclimated to working from home. And I think if you remove that, you're, you're you know, you may lose some folks. Um, but we want to like, internally at Demand Drive, we want to really create an office environment that people want to come to and giving them the choice of where do you work best? Do you work best in an office? Do you work best in um, at home? If you have a struggling rep, you may want to sort of maybe mandates a strong word, but mandate that they come in to work with their manager certain days so that that's something that is, you know, required if someone's falling short of goal. Um, but I think what it will, what it, what it will maybe morph to and what I've even seen is that, you know, there will be certain days or certain events that will bring the group together in, in an office. I think there will, I think what I've been seeing even with clients is that, um, people want to get together for an activity or an event or a happy hour or a dinner, and then they'll all work remotely, but they'll have that connection in, in some, in a more kind of, um, activity event driven type of environment. And I think that's going to be true for SDR teams as well, because people still want to engage with each other. Um, certainly how you can do it. I think we've kind of figured out some ways to engage really effectively in this sort of remote setting, obviously communication tools like Slack help a lot. Um, and, you know, making sure that there's online events and Alex, you've done a great job of making sure we have the virtual happy hours and that we have, you know, the weekly workouts that you can do, or, you know, we, we've kind of spearheaded the coffee, virtual coffee dates. So making sure you're engaging with each other um, and meeting other people on your team and then creating sort of a, an environment where people come together for sort of events or big meetings or activities, things like that. Yeah, no, I totally get that. And if, if I'm allowed to share my two cents here, I know you're the expert, yes. but no, no, um, yeah, I do think it's really important to make I guess I'd say like make almost more activities available for people than you think they would be interested in, in the sense that there is always going to be people that like never going to come to a happy hour, never going to meet yeah. anyone I ever work with in person. That's how I prefer to be. And those aren't the people you're trying to replicate that culture with. Sure. But what you want to do is make sure that anyone who's looking for that connection, who joined a company and is like, man, I wish we were in person. Like maybe they're an extrovert. Maybe they don't have a yeah. lot of friends. I mean, it's COVID who knows what's going on. <laughs> Um, <laughs> those people are the people that you really want to be able to provide that for. So that's, that's where the importance lies for me, at least in, in helping put on these events. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think that that's really true and different events will resonate with different people. So, mm -hmm. um, yeah, definitely yeah. For sure. cool. Thanks for letting me share. Um, sure. yeah, <laughs> of course the, the next question I have a, I have a prediction that you're going to say it's a, a bit case by case as with so many things in sales development, but okay. How much responsibility is too much responsibility for an SDR? So this is really case by case, Alex. So, um, well, I know I would, I would start by saying it depends on the tenure of the SDR. 
Uh, right. So the responsibilities you give somebody that that has been an SDR for a year that's maybe a senior SDR would be quite a bit different than someone on their second week on the job. Um, you know, internally, once someone's a senior SDR, they, you know, will may have more responsibility for putting together reporting or interviewing other potential SDRs or, you know, maybe creating some of their own messaging without a ton of handholding or oversight. Um, someone, what is too much? I mean, I think there should always be, you know, if someone's creating like a, 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 a playbook or content that's going out or, um, or emails or talk tracks, I think there should always be someone auditing those, just anyone, right? If, I mean, if I was to develop something, I would want someone to review it. So I think you want to make sure that there's um, a checkpoint on something like that. Um, I think there needs to be collaboration between the SDRs and the account executives and good lines of communication. You, you, you don't want the SDRs feeling like they have to work the deal, you know, like if, if it's passed over to an AE and then if the AE wants to pass that lead back to an SDR, that's fine, but I wouldn't, you know, leave it for the SDR to necessarily like work, work the sale much more than kind of handing over the, the qualified lead. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't, I mean, that's, it is again a little bit case by case and really dependent on the tenure and and sort of and and a, and a specific person's abilities right if you're you know and this is really comes down to communicating with your team and having confidence in your management team that they know who they can trust to do certain things um yeah yeah no that makes sense and it's <clears throat> excuse me it, it yeah it is more than just like how much responsibility if you have an sdr who's good with reporting give them more reporting responsibility. Yeah, maybe absolutely. they're not bad with writing copy. Don't make them write more email copy. Yeah. I think that that's a, that's a better way even to say it, Alex. I'm going to just <laughs> let you answer these questions from now on, but um, that's right. I mean, I think, you know, it's really, I guess the takeaway is you have to make sure to have really good managers in place that know what to look for in their team and to sort of empower them and, and highlight their strengths and then support them in, the, in sort of the areas where, you know, they have some opportunity to grow. Yeah. Sweet. That's, yep. thank you for, for sharing my answer. Yeah, sure. <laughs> no. um, You're doing my job for me now. There we go. Uh, so, all right. So the next question really about training and, and resources on that side of things. So the person asks, I want my SDRs to improve, but I don't have the resources internally to help them. Where can I look and what can I do for them still? So this person doesn't have the resources internally to help train their, their team or to help. Yeah, the internal resources are, are lacking and they're looking to yeah level up their SDRs skill set, help train them in, in some capacity. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I guess it depends on how much budget they have, how much, um, you know, like if I think. I think the first step is to is to work on coming up with a um, a really strong training program for SDRs. And um, so I think that's step number one. You want to make sure that they have all the kind of foundational pieces before they're stepping into the role. So working on a really good training program for your team. Um, now, what I mean, there's certainly outsourced resources you can use for sales training if you don't have that, those resources internally, um, or or there's you know um, 
trainings that a trainer could take part in so that they're more equipped to train their SDR team. I mean, if, if there's budget for it, there's certainly tools that can empower SDR teams for anything from, you know, sales enablement platforms that can help with cadencing to um, predictive analytics tools to, um, you know, data tools that can help um, make their life a little easier when, when navigating who they should be calling. Uh, so, and then I think if, you know, if you don't have the luxury of, you know, hiring outside sales trainers or sort of the time to put all that together, tapping resources that are internally, that are internal um, to help with some of that training, like, you know, asking, you know, other people in other departments to kind of help train the SDRs a little bit if, 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 if that's the case, but. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I do think, because we have this with with various clients, sometimes the AEs at the client are really involved with the training and yeah. will set up their own one-on-ones and sometimes they're not. And a lot of the times it's just because they haven't been asked. So they won't volunteer that, but right. they're but resources. But if you kind of tap them there. to do that, I think mm-hmm. they, they would be happy to, or yeah. they should be happy to help. Yeah. Um, yeah. Sweet. Um, we have two questions left. I think we're going to get through all of them. So this is exciting. Okay. Um, this one kind of circles back to, <clears throat> excuse me, to one of those first questions I asked you coming from somebody who, who started recently as a director of sales development at a company, what can they do in their first 90 days to make a real impact? That, that just started as an SDR? A director of sales a development. director of sales development. Yeah. Um, that to, I mean, hire the right people and train them well. I mean, I think that's the key, right? So I I think really defining what the profile of candidate needs to be. Um, You may be inheriting a team. So just analyzing, okay, do I have the right people on the team and do they have what they need to be successful? And then setting really specific goals for them that every, and where everybody knows, like, these are the goals, this is what you're accountable to hit. Um, and everyone has buy-in on those goals that they feel like they are challenging, but attainable as good SDR goals should be. Um, so I think just clear communication of the goals, buy-in from the team, making sure you have the right team, that they're trained well, um, and that they have the tools to be successful and that, you know, they have the, you know, the management layer to be successful. So, you know, you wouldn't want an SDR manager or director to be managing, you know, more than maybe 15 or so SDRs. That, that's, I think that would be a, a big tipping point there. But um, yeah, I think to make a big impact, just making sure you have the right people in place, they are trained well, um, and that you've set, you've done a lot of work on goal setting, which I know is something we're going to be tackling in a in an upcoming um piece of content surprise, maybe I haven't told you yet, but um, is really figuring out like what those goals should be and that everyone feels confident and excited that they can achieve those. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And I think getting buy-in is a big part too. Somebody hired you, but that that's not the whole team. So really getting to know your team and getting yeah. to know the people that are working for you and that you work with is goes a really long way. Yeah. And you want to make sure your team feels like th- this is a goal that can they can hit, right? Um and on the flip side, it shouldn't be too easy either where, where they feel like they can, you know, um, kick up their feet. So yeah. I think, and making sure they, they have buy-in on those and they know what they are um, is important. Yeah, absolutely. All right. We got the last question here, okay. last uh, one. relatively open-ended. It just says, what's the best 
in our in quotes best sales tech stack for an SDR team. So if you want to shout out any specific tools, you can. If it's just a general um, thing that a tool does, yeah. what do the SDRs need today to be successful? Gosh, I mean, I think at a minimum, right? You know, and I, I think all organizations have this like a functioning CRM system. I mean, I think for for us, all of our clients are B two B tech companies, so most of the time it's Salesforce or HubSpot. So just a place for the SDRs to live and track all their day-to-day -day activity and, and lead conversions. And, and so you can track back opportunities. Um, a sales enablement platform of some kind, you know, we've used Yesware yes, Outreach Sales Loft for different clients and their different needs. So, some, so a tool like that to help with cadencing. Um, a data tool, so a Zoom Info or, you know, something similar that where they can find good actionable sales data to, to call on. Um, that is, is going to be important. I think LinkedIn sales navigator licenses is going to be really important because that's, you know, where a lot of prospects are living and it's going to have the most up-to-date information. Um, and then, you know, I think the, that's sort of ba the basics, right? That, that that's at a minimum what, what they would want. Um, is that the, was that the question, or did they want the best? The, I think, more than I th that? yeah, I think that's a good start. But yeah, yeah. ideally, best world is your I oyster. I mean, goodness, what like you know, we have um, we have used things like Loom Video for personalization for really hyper personalized targeting, where um, the reps are putting together a personalized video and embedding that in an email. I think that's a really cool tool that can be useful. Um, I think making sure you know. In most cases, you have a chat functionality on your website. Um, I have a lot of clients that use kind of predictive analytics tools like a Sixth Sense to help with account prioritization. Um, I think that one that can be helpful. Uh, I know a lot of people use like a gong to record calls so that they can listen back. And obviously, um, I think any type of call recording software is going to be helpful just because that's, you know, your manager can listen, you can listen back and, and really, um, and really improve and, and kind of figure out what things you want to change about your pitch. Um, yeah. So those are things that are coming to mind. Yeah. That's awesome. You saying that about call recording reminded me before call recording software was just everybody had it. And you, I used to just like sit on a call while my AE was on there and just like quietly, like I'm there, but I'm not there, you know? So right. Yeah. Call recording is definitely a great tool to yeah. avoid any of avoid that. Avoid any of awkward. that. Yes. Yeah. yes, I agree. I agree. <laughs> awesome. Well, Lindsay, that's that's all the questions we have around this time. Thank you again okay. so much for joining. Um, oh, you're welcome. It was fun. Yeah. Anytime. Yeah. If people want to find you on LinkedIn, anywhere else, reach out to learn more about Demand Drive. Uh, where can they go? Well, they can, what do you like? What do you mean? If they can't find me on LinkedIn, do you, uh, do you want my home address? I don't, <laughs> I shouldn't have said LinkedIn. I teased it. I should have said, where can they find you? And then you go on LinkedIn, but oh, okay. ruined on LinkedIn, it. I ruined it. Um, we can, I can share my email or do we, how do we do that on this? Share contact information. Find me yeah, on LinkedIn. I'll, yeah. I'll message you back. I promise. Perfect. Awesome. And for anyone watching this, if you have a question you want to submit, you felt inspired by one of these ones. Um, we'll make sure there's a form on the landing page that this is being hosted on right now where you'll be able to submit questions. And once we get enough of those, we'll be able to, to do this all again and, and try out some new questions. Okay. All right. Thanks, Alex. I appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks, Lindsay. I'll all talk right. To you soon. Have a good one. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of Unsubscribe. Remember, to get less unsubscribe emails in your inbox, subscribe to Unsubscribe and get your SDR team in tip-top shape. 
See you next week. <laughs>